So this evening, I want to um, explore with you the theme of uh, generosity. I'm really choosing that theme in relationship to the holiday uh, coming up, Thanksgiving. Look at the relationship between generosity and gratitude. I'm tempted to say to explore, I want to explore generosity in a time of challenges and even crisis. You know, I was thinking of the theme, but also thinking of the smoke hanging over us, you know, that we're, that has come into this hall to some extent and that we're all living with. And I know that for a lot of people, it's both, of course, difficult physically, but also part of what it represents is challenging to take in, right, for for many people. So I want to weave that in to the topic. Actually, uh, one of the places that we most see generosity manifest is in difficult circumstances and even crises. When people are not scared and uh, in danger, but also sometimes when they're scared and in danger as well. But when, when that's not the case, it's generosity manifests very, very freely. And I'm sure it's happening uh, around uh, the places of the fires. So I'm, like I'm sure all of us, very cognizant of that, want to weave that in. So the whole path of practice, the path of spiritual development can really be understood in a few different ways and sometimes we can look at models of stages of awakening you know one of the main models that we get from the Burmese tradition is a model called the progress of insight, how insight develops and we can look at the you know, at how we develop uh, to get to deeper levels of understanding one of the uh, most fundamental models is a model of uh, what are called the paramis, which are the kind of the core qualities or virtues that are developed and that are the, uh, when they're developed fully, are the qualities of an awakened being. And they're, they're qualities that both uh, help us to awaken and also, they, when, we, when we have those qualities present, they, we manifest aspects of awakening, of, in other words, of being free, of, of having uh, wisdom and a loving heart, qualities of love, wisdom, compassion, skillful action, and so forth. Uh, this, is, this is from the ancient texts. Uh, one of the... Uh, disciples of the Buddha named Sariputta, he said, how many qualities are there that lead to Buddhahood? And the Buddha said, ten. <laughs> you, might, you might think, well, there are all sorts of, there are 50 or many, but he said ten. There are ten qualities that lead to Buddhahood. The first of them is Generosity. So it's the first on the list. I'll mention the others in this list. This is the list of the paramis. Uh, my colleague Sylvia Borstein did a very nice book uh, about these 10 qualities uh, called uh, Pay Attention for Goodness Sake. <laughs> she, 
has a lot of, of double meanings in her book titles. If you go back in the bookstore and look. So the, the qualities are generosity, uh, being ethical, uh, renunciation or, or letting go, wisdom, energy, patience, truthfulness, determination, loving kindness, and equanimity. Good qualities, right? So the, again, these are the qualities that we can both practice to develop. They take us towards greater awakening and they also manifest awakening when they're there. And so generosity is the first. And for many in Asia, this is the first quality that's developed in practice. It's sometimes said that when the Buddha taught and when he taught the whole system, he would always start with generosity. Westerners, we generally start with mindfulness. And generosity comes late. <laughs> but here we are. Okay. So, but it's a, it's a wonderful quality. So what I want to do is to talk about generosity in a larger context, uh, both in terms of how it appears in our lives, how it appears actually in different uh, contexts, different spiritual traditions, come back to how it's taught in the Buddhist tradition, and then point to practices which we might uh, work with to develop generosity. And my hope is that many of us can be inspired to take on some generosity practice in the next week and find that one of the practices I mentioned resonates with you. And they can be very, you know, they're, a lot of them are very low-key. One of the main practices I work with, and I worked with it coming here, I try to practice generosity while driving. This is not a traditional practice. <laughs> but this would be that I actually have an intention to cultivate generosity. Oh, you're really in a hurry. Please. <laughs> you know, or you really want to, you know, um, what, um, cut before me. Please, you know, and it's, um, it's a very good practice. And there are other contexts like that that we can practice. So I'll, just, well, I'll come back to that and offer different ways of practicing. And again, I'm thinking of this as being connected with uh, the holiday of Thanksgiving, which is really about generosity and gratitude. You know, and it's best aspects. You know, it has, a, a, of course, you go back, you know, look in the history, and it is connected with... Uh, you know, genocide of the Native Americans to some extent, so it's not, but relatively speaking, it's relatively non-commercial and has a lot of good aspects, even though you look closely and it's got other aspects. Okay, so um, so we can use use this time for for cultivating, if this resonates with us. So, it's a, it's a beautiful quality. I think it's really something that almost is innate, that it just comes, like children often are very generous. I was talking with my mom about generosity one time, and she told me a story of how uh, when my brother Frederick was born, he's two and a quarter years younger, and I was like, so I was like maybe two and a half or three. Uh, I... I gave him my most prized possession, which was a dirty red fire truck. 
and I put it in his crib, and my mother was both appreciative of the generosity and slightly horrified because it was really filthy. That's what she said, but she, she, she remembered that story, that there was a natural, because I could see he was in the crib, and he didn't have a good toy. You know, even though he didn't, you know, maybe wasn't ready for toys, but still. So that, that, was, that was present. Or um, I was also thinking just of, um, I, you know, I, I came back from uh, just five days ago from teaching for three weeks in North Carolina and Kentucky. Uh, and I, I grew up in Maryland and moved, you know, my parents moved to Virginia and so I spent a lot of time in the southern mountains. And I remember, you know, when, I, when my brother and I were 20, we were building a cabin in the mountains. And we had, we had some land there. This is on the Virginia, West Virginia border. And it's a, a county called Highland County. Does anyone know Highland County? Oh, great. Yeah, it's, um, it's called Highland because it's the highest county in terms of uh, where the valleys are east of the Mississippi. Like the valleys are 3,000 feet, right? And so, but we were building a cabin there and the people around there were just really, really generous. We almost, we built a cabin and we, had, we bought almost nothing. People let us tear down shacks. They gave us things. They gave us wood. They helped us in all sorts of ways. Incredibly generous. And it was almost like they... Um, you know, they would let us stay in their homes. We're incredibly generous. It's a, you know, it's kind of an old style of life. They would, um, you know, in that county when people would drive, they would wave to everyone, right? They would just, everyone would wave to everyone, you know, there. And, you know, they did have their biases, which were a little bit more almost like, you know, just uh, they didn't really think them through. And they didn't apply them very well. You know, like they, you know, they were, kind of in the mountains and didn't have a lot of exposure to different sorts of people. So they would, you know, um, at the time that I was there, I had uh, long hair. I had hair halfway down my back. And they would sometimes ask me, Don, you ever seen hippies? (laughs) And they would also, you know, my ancestry is Jewish and they also kind of had anti-Jewish biases and so forth that were just sort of, I don't think they really knew what they meant, but they just did it. And they, but they, you know, they, they would talk to me and they didn't, they didn't really know, they would talk to me and they didn't really quite know who I was, right? Anyway, but there was, there was this core generosity, which I felt, you know, with, with everything. And it's, it's a quality which is there in, um, I think in all spiritual traditions in a beautiful way. You know, I was thinking in the, um, in the Jewish tradition, it's a um, duty to give one-tenth of one's uh, earnings, one's salary, to others who are in, uh, in need. And that's just, uh, it's, an under, it's understood as it's a given. Um, and it's said... Um, this is, this, is from, this is from the Jewish tradition. In Judaism, the concept of giving is essential through what is known as sedaka or charity. The root of the word stands for justice, righteousness, or fairness. So the sense of generosity is very connected with a sense of justice. And you find very similar deep roots. When you look to the Christian tradition, 
the word that we have, which forms the word charity, we're very connected with generosity, comes from the Latin charitas, and it actually is the translation of the Greek word agape. Some of you know the word agape. It means unconditional love. And so the sense of giving is connected with the sense of unconditional love. Isn't that interesting? So, it's very, these, so you could see that, that in these different traditions, generosity is not like giving a tip or something. It's actually right at the center of the deepest values, which, again, we can ask whether we've lost that in some ways. I think we have. You know, but in those traditions, and very similar with Islam, you know, when you look to Islam, uh, giving to those in need is taken to be one of the duties. It's one of the five pillars of Islam. And I think I have a, a quote. Um, giving is uh, actually understood as a form of purification. So again, you find these terms very, very... Um, the terms for generosity are deeply connected to very fundamental values. And again, I found, you know, when I look to indigenous traditions, I uh, have been really uh, graced to have uh, uh, native friends who've invited me into their communities. One of them was in uh, British Columbia, where I was invited to uh, a potlatch which is basically a, a ceremony of giving. Uh, and it was such a fundamental, uh, fundamentally weird sort of ceremony for the uh, missionaries and the Christian ministers who came into Canada that this was a gift-giving ceremony and they, the, the uh, Canadian government outlawed the ceremony among the native peoples from about the early 1880s till 1951. It's pretty crazy, right? It was a gift-giving. And I went there, and I was like one of about, it was about 600 people in the village who was up halfway between Vancouver and Alaska on an island. Uh, and I went there, and I was welcomed in. They gave me gifts. Everyone, it was a three-day ceremony of giving gifts. And generosity was, it's actually one of the ways that the community comes together and connects, and just is very fundamental. Um, Desmond Tutu writes uh, about the understanding of Ubuntu uh, and generosity that comes from realizing, this is what he says, we could not be alive nor could we accomplish anything without the support, love, and generosity of all the people who have helped us become the people we are today. So generosity in so many traditions is fundamental. I was also reflecting some that it's, uh, again, often present in crises when people are not scared. And again, sometimes when they're scared. But, um, you know, I found there, there's a book, uh, a very interesting book that an author named Rebecca Solnit wrote called A Paradise Built in Hell. People know Rebecca Solnit's work, and even yeah, very influential author lives in San Francisco, and uh, she analyzed situations of natural disasters, and uh, including some human-caused disasters like 9/11, 
And the book is about this. And she, she goes against the common understanding that when there are disasters, uh, often the authorities say, you have to look out for looters. You have to look out for people taking advantage, have a lot of you know, police around. What they act she actually found when she looked at these situations, which matches what I've experienced, maybe what you've experienced, is that that wasn't really the case. That, that, that generosity just overflowed in those kind of situations. People I, I met who were in New York City after 9-11 said it was the best time to be in New York City ever in their experience. People were so uh, kind and generous after that crisis, right? And um, she analyzed the 1906 uh, San Francisco earthquake. And uh, this, is, uh, this is from Dorothy Day, the famous uh, uh, activist, uh, founder of what? Uh, Catholic worker, right? And the, the uh, houses of hospitality to feed people not so well off. And she, she, she grew up in Oakland, and she was born in 1898, so she was eight years old, but she later said this, what I remember most plainly about the earthquake was the human warmth and kindness of everyone afterward. For days, refugees poured out of burning San Francisco and camped in Idora Park and the racetrack at Oakland. Mother and all our neighbors were busy from morning to night cooking hot meals. They gave away every garment they possessed. They stripped themselves to the bone in giving, forgetful of the morrow. While the crisis lasted, people loved each other. It's quite a statement, isn't it? And, and, and uh, Rebecca found that in so many uh, stories. She looked at these crises, natural disasters, earthquakes, fires. I'm sure that's what we're seeing in closer to the, where the fires are, you know. And I, I, I wish those stories would come out well in the newspapers, you know, and, so, and, and the media. And again, we can, we can see when we look at even the etymology, this way that generosity is actually a, a very deep quality. Do you know that the word uh, generosity comes from the Latin word, which is also the root for genius? It's also the work, the, it's very closely related to uh, words like generative. Basically, some that which, uh, that which gives uh, goodness in our lives. It's related to generosity. And um, this is from the uh, Celtic scholar John O'Donohue. He says, a generous heart is never lonesome. A generous heart has luck. The lonesomeness of contemporary life is partly due to the failure of generosity. And when you actually look to um, our country, we are much less generous in many ways than most countries. Again, I think that this isn't maybe a more recent development. I think much of the country probably was like my experience in the mountains in Virginia. You know, but... Uh, do you know that uh, this is, someone did a study of the levels of generosity in terms of giving to poor people around the world. Of the 22 industrial nations of the world, the United States is last in terms of per capita giving 
to the poor peoples of the world. On a per capita basis, for every dollar that America gives to the world, to the poor countries of the world, the people of Norway give 70. It's not well publicized, is it? Right. And so that's, that's startling, isn't it? You know, and we, may, we can really uh, see how generosity could be much greater. That there's much more, in many ways, we, we are dominated by, by greed and keeping things to ourselves, right? And that manifests, that manifests in our, in our society in many ways. In, so in the Buddhist tradition, generosity is pretty central. And I, I, I like to think of generosity most deeply as the giving of what is valuable in our own lives. Probably most deeply, these are the qualities of our being. You know, material giving is important, but in many ways, there we, we give who we are. I really like, there's a beautiful line in Walt Whitman's poem, uh, Song of Myself, that many of you know. He says, Behold, I do not give lectures for a little charity. When I give, I give myself. Right? And I think that's the deepest meaning of generosity, that we give what is most valuable, and hopefully those are our beautiful qualities. We give our kindness, we give our insight, we give our wisdom, we give our energy, we give our time. And this is really what generosity is about. And so this is, uh, again, it's the first of the paramis, the first of the qualities in Buddhist tradition that one develops to awaken. Um, and this is, this is what one of the great contemporary scholars of Buddhism says about uh, this quality of generosity. It's, it's dana in the uh, original language. Many of you know that word, dana, D-A-N-A. This is a Bhikkhu Bodhi, American monk, who, uh, again, is one of the great scholars, one of the great translators of the text in, in our generation. The practice of giving does not, by its own nature, conduce directly and immediately to the rising of insight. Giving functions in a different capacity. It, is, it does not come at the apex of the path, but it rather serves as the basis and preparation which underlies and quietly supports the entire endeavor to free the mind. So he says that, it's, that generosity is like a foundation or a support. Uh, I think I might quibble with him some. I think generosity does give all sorts of insights. When you look carefully, and you know, I think the, 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 the basis of the practice is going to be cultivating generosity and seeing where we're tight, where we're not generous, on the one hand, all of our practice basically has these two rhythms. Whatever we're developing, we see where we fall short, and then we cultivate directly the quality. And so the practice of generosity, we're going to be really interested in where we are tight, where we're not generous, where we're greedy, uh, and we're going to look at that uh, carefully. On the other hand, we're going to we're going to go towards developing uh, generosity in different ways. We're going to intend to cultivate the quality. 
You know, I was thinking of, um, I taught uh, a course uh, with my colleague, Diana Winston. Uh, we taught a course that was trying to cut through greed. And we called this course uh, Greed Management. So we offered this course on greed management. We had two teachers, very, very low enrollment. It did not resonate with the Bay Area. <laughs> you know, um, to be specific, we had five people sign up. <laughs> we had two teachers, but we weren't in it for the numbers. We were in it for the learning. We wanted to really explore. So we had this five-week class called Greed Management, and we kept on exploring when there was greed, and we had the, you know, we had a, we had a final exam. We um, went, we went, did a silent walking meditation in the recently opened uh, Bed Bath and Beyond in in El Cerrito. That's when we were doing the course. It was. Do you remember when anyone know the Bed Bath and Beyond in El Cerrito? Yeah. So we we uh, it, our our last class coincided with it being a little bit after it was newly opened and. We did silent walking meditation through Bed Bath and Beyond and watched what the mind did. What were we greedy for? Because I found I hadn't been to a Bed Bath and Beyond before that. And there were all these products and a lot of them I didn't even know they existed. They met needs that I didn't even know I had. <laughs> right, and so the mind was going, oh, that would be, that would be cool, that'd be interesting. So we we did silent walking meditation, and then we compared notes at the end of the walking. You know, 30 minutes walking silently in Bed Bath & Beyond. We, we didn't do it, you know, people were on their own, so it wouldn't look too weird. But, you know, <laughs> and we gathered together. But what we found in that course was very, very interesting. What's, what was the nature of greed? And this is something to look at when you find yourself in the grips of greed. Bring mindfulness to it and look at it. It's really, I had never looked at greed, and greed's kind of the opposite of generosity, right? I had never looked at greed so carefully. What did we find? We found that when there was greed present in our minds, we were, the first one's kind of obvious, we were very self-centered. Okay, you'd expect that. But some of the others are a little less um, obvious. We had no sense of consequences when greed was there. We just wanted what we wanted. You know, we had no sense of consequences. Other people's needs and what mattered for them was pretty much out of the picture. <laughs> what mattered for others wasn't there. There was an element also, of course, of compulsivity. You know, like, like we, we were under the sway of something. We couldn't do otherwise, right, generally speaking. Um, and then, uh, let's see, another one was that, um, what, was it, what was the other one? Um, yeah, sometimes, sometimes there was a sense of privilege. It was like, I really deserve this, or this is mine. There was sometimes a sense of privilege or kind of like, this is, this is for me. <laughs> Right? And so I think so especially the, the sense of a certain amount of unconsciousness, compulsive quality, self-centeredness, 
lack of consequences, lack of consideration for others. I didn't realize all those things so clearly before doing, doing that class. Does that sound like a good place to be? <laughs> the way I say it like that? So watch, look at greed. This is part of what we explore. And again, we, with our mindfulness, set your intention. And again, sometimes you can notice it. Um, you can notice it, small things, big things. Might be a little bit of that on Thursday. Food's a great area to watch it in. And of course, you know, use your discretion. A little bit of greed here and there may not be the worst thing. You know? um, but, but the main thing is to study it. So we want to, we want to look at where there's that tightness. And we also want to see what it feels like to open up and be generous. You know, and again, I was thinking of another example from a friend of mine. I remembered, uh, I have a friend who is Vietnamese who was a, you know, one of the uh, uh, senior students of Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese teacher. And we, had, we were going together with a visitor from Thailand named uh, Sulak Sivaraksha, who I've worked with in Thailand. And we were just, uh, Sulak was telling us about some of the work he was doing in Thailand. And this is my Vietnamese friend, uh, Minh Duc, Venerable Minh Duc. He was really inspired. So, oh, that's really good work. He just reached in his wallet. He was a monk. And he, he just gave him $100. Right? I said, whoa, I haven't done that. <laughs> right? There was something that was very inspiring. He had a certain, he had a certain way that um, he didn't hold on to the resources, you know. He, if he has resources, can they go to something good? You know, and there can be a view like that. You know, like in, I think in indigenous cultures often where there's a gift economy, there's more of the sense that resources flow and come and go. And I know that for myself, I have more of that sense, you know, a lot of my teaching is on a Donna basis, so I don't get a fee. People offer things, I go to retreats and I offer Donna to my teachers. I have more of a sense of things coming and flowing through. And is this of use, right? That's one of the, one of the that can be there when there's um, generosity. In the Mahayana tradition, there's a sense that when there's true giving, when there are no ideas of self, no ideas of the recipient, and no ideas of the act of giving. It's more spontaneous. And I'm sure we do that um, a lot of the time, and we may not even think of it as being generous, just when we're with friends or we have something to offer, we make a meal for people. There's just an offering, right? We don't think of it even as being generous, giving what we're giving. We just do it, right? And so the aim is to have that get stronger, you know, to have that, that generosity get stronger. So again, we offer different things. We can offer material things, food. Uh, we can offer, again, much of what is set often to, seems to be valuable is offering qualities. We offer one of the great gifts in the tradition was said to be the giving the gift of fearlessness. You know, we give the gift of um, our own best qualities to people. You know, that's, that's a way to look at it. What are the rewards of giving? This is from the tradition. 
There are five rewards of generosity. One is dear and appealing to people. One is admired by good people. Would you like to be admired by good people? I think so. Yeah. Um, one's good name is spread about. One does not stray from one's duties. And then the last one, with the breakup of the body of death, one appears in a good destination in a heavenly world. Right? That's, that's said that in, in the tradition. Now, I'll get in, a while, in just a moment to the practices we can do. But interestingly, in the tradition, it's said that there are ways that we can have our generosity get somewhat distorted. Some of you know the teaching of the near enemies in the context of loving kindness or compassion or joy or equanimity. There, there are near enemies that are look like the quality but are a little bit distorted. So we often say that the near enemy of loving kindness is a kind of love that's possessive, that's holding on. The near enemy of compassion is pity. Right? There's some sense of separation and so forth. The near enemy of equanimity, of balance, is indifference. We don't really care, but we kind of feel balanced. <laughs> right? And so there, in, in the ancient text, it was very important for people to say, here are some ways that you can try to be generous, but you go a little bit astray. So in our practice, we look out for these. And they'd be what, kind of what you ex- expect. So there, there are a bunch of them listed. These are kind of interesting. Here are ways that you can go astray in your giving. You give with annoyance. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? You give motivated by fear. (laughs) Right? Maybe your fear is, if if I don't give, what will people think of me? Right? So these are interesting, right? So look at these. One gives in return for a favor. So this, again, may not be the worst thing, but it's not genuine giving. You're not, your heart's not really giving just to give. You're doing it as a kind of an exchange, right? Here's another one. You hope, you give with the hope of getting a similar favor in the future. Okay? You give because other people consider that you'll be good. You can see how these are all slightly distorted. They're not entirely negative because the giving is positive. Okay? You give to have a good reputation. You give to curry favor with someone. And it was said that you give only because it's a long-standing family tradition. <laughs> so these were interesting. They, they were, there they were sitting around 2,600 years ago looking at all the different ways you could not quite have purity of giving. Isn't that interesting? They really, they nailed a lot of them, didn't they? It's not bad. That's not a bad list if you really want to work with this. Um, now, a very interesting point about giving is that generosity should basically not hurt you. Now, maybe you can stretch yourself some, and that's a different matter. But interesting, A person of integrity gives a gift without adversely affecting oneself or others. Isn't that interesting? So true giving doesn't hurt yourself. Again, one thing, I think we can distinguish that from stretching, but it doesn't really hurt you. Okay. So how do we practice? 
how do we practice giving? Again, I think that there are these two main forms of practice. One is you track uh, when there's tightness, when you don't want to give, when there's greed. You look for that, you study that with mindfulness over and over again. You look to what's there in the mind. And then you also do practices which develop generosity. So here are a few, and I'm going to say these with the possibility that some of us may resonate with this and want to take this on for the next week. So here, a lot of these are pretty obvious. Um, Do one generous deed a day. Manifest generosity through an action once a day. Whatever it is, can be big or small, but don't have, you know, if it gets late in the day, you know, I don't know, call up a friend who's in need and give some time or a friend who's having some distress and offer, offer something. So that could be one way. And if you want to up, up it a little bit, two generous deeds a day. If you're ambitious or ready for that. So uh, first practice could be doing a generous deed a day. Um, Another one I mentioned, uh, driving with generosity in mind. Or maybe have some activity where where maybe you get caught a little bit, where there maybe is a tendency to reactivity and bring generosity into that activity, whatever it is. Maybe you want to bring it to your work situation or bring it to a particular person, right? With whom you're not usually generous. Say, I will be generous towards this person in a small or big way once a day, or if that's too much, once a week, (laughs) right? So something like that. You know, one practice, which maybe some of you do, is if you go to a place where there are homeless people, bring money or bring food and be willing to to give it away. You know, they, they did once an experiment where they gave people, uh, and one example was $20, one example was $50, and they did a controlled experiment where they, they asked half of the group to, give, to uh, use the money which they had just been given for themselves, and the other half was asked to give it to others. You know, it's like $20 or $50. And then they, uh, they tested them after they had uh, done either of those actions, and they found, they measured for certain measures of happiness. I'm not sure how they did that, but whether they just asked people, you know, rate yourself on a scale of happiness as to how you felt after this. What they found was that the people who gave away the money were substantial, substantially happier than the ones who used the money for themselves in that, in that test. Isn't that interesting? Right? That there, and, and we know this. How many can resonate with that? That you know certain kinds of generosity. It feels good, and there's a kind of well-being. Maybe, maybe letting go. Right. So, um, yeah, you can bring money, certain amount of money, and give it to people in need, or just you know whether you know. Of course, there are complexities about giving it to people on the street because you really don't quite know where it's going, right? But uh, so there's complexities there. But still, um, you know, determined to give away funds on the street or food if that, if that feels, uh, you know, as it were, cleaner or whatever. Uh, or make, make a vow to give away money to those in need. Of course, so many different areas of need right now, whether the fires or 
a hundred other things, right? So to, you know, maybe you want to work with one of those traditional measures. You give a certain percentage of your income away. Again, following the guideline of not hurting yourself, right? So maybe you want to do that. Um, Sharon Salzberg, the uh, teacher from the East Coast who has that classic book on loving kindness, says, whenever you feel an urge to give, follow through on it, even if you have second thoughts, <laughs> right? I, I follow that. I do that. If the urge to give comes up and then midway through, I say, I'm not sure. I actually have taken the vow always to follow through. And it's worked, you know. It's really, it's quite good. Again, so you can um, uh, help in your work. You can take on an intention to help those in need, you know. Maybe many, how many of you do volunteer work? Right? Quite, a, quite a number. So that calls a lot of people to really have giving in a way, as part, of your, as part of your life. And, of course, in a way, probably most, if not all, of our work is a form of giving, right? We are, we are really, and it can be helpful to think about it that way. That, you know, you know if you're, it's more obvious in some ways than others, in some kinds of work than others, but certainly those in the helping professions see your work as a form of generosity. In fact, I think every form of work, whether you're, you know, doing, you know, I don't know, working on websites or directly helping people, understand that there's a form of generosity there, even if some of your motivation is just to make a living. There's a form of generosity there. So you can really see yourself differently, that there's actually a lot of generosity happening. So a lot of a lot of our practice actually helps us to see what's already happening in a different way, and to realize that there's a lot of generosity going on. And so maybe one of the ways we could share when we talk together is people can share other ways of giving. Right? There are all sorts of ways. Uh, materially, again, I think maybe the the deepest way is that we give of our best qualities. You know, we give of our best qualities in our relationships. To, to others. So let me finish with, uh, I think, two readings on generosity. One is, uh, one is uh, from 2,600 years ago. One is from about five years ago. <laughs> okay. So this is, from, this is from the Buddha. What is the treasure of generosity? There, there is the case of a practitioner one's awareness cleansed of the stain of stinginess, freely generous, open-handed, delighting in being magnanimous, responsive to request, delighting in giving to others. This is called the treasure of generosity. We're interested in getting that stronger. And then the last one is from a, a Zen teacher who died a few years ago named Steve Stuckey, who was at the San Francisco Zen Center And he linked uh, generosity to gratitude. The spirit of giving is based on a feeling of gratitude, of being deeply thankful for the ability to give and to receive, to be freely willing to participate in this reciprocal turning of life energy. That's what the generosity is really about, what in indigenous cultures is called the gift that keeps moving. The gift that keeps uh, 
being shared. And that's what generosity ultimately is. It's being part of this interchange of, of energy. And it can be really helpful to consider it that way and to uh, strengthen generosity. So let me invite us just to sit for a moment quietly. We'll have a, a nice chunk of time to talk together. But just consider what may have been helpful from the talk and any way that you may be inspired or energized to uh, develop uh, generosity practice, let's say for the next week. So thank you for your kind attention. And we have, we have a, almost a, well over 15 minutes or so to talk together, which is my favorite part of taking this role. <laughs> and we have microphones, I think, do we? And we can, uh, do people walk to the microphones, I believe? Or we bring them, we bring them to people. So if you have, um, the, you could have a question, you could, have, you could be sharing you may want to share uh, one of the ways that you cultivate generosity or a practice that you have. So question anything about anything I've said or sharing something from your own experience, story of generosity or uh, a practice that you might have. So we have uh, two on the side here to my left. Yeah. Why don't we say our name too? Uh, my name is Tyler. Thank you for your talk. We were doing a camp food drive, and my automatic reaction was to go in the back of the cupboard yeah. for the beets and for the baby corn that we haven't used for like three years, right? And I was like, let's yeah. clear out a cupboard. I was like, whoa! You know, and that, that thought of generosity of like the oranges and the green beans that we eat all the time, but my first thought was, let's clear out a cupboard. And then it was funny, it was like that stopping and going, That's oh, great. they get the green beans too, you know? So that was, it was an interesting thought. Yeah, beautiful, and and really, it's the you know it's the fact that you noticed your thinking. We call that would call that mindfulness, right? That you were actually tracking what was going on in your own experience, and that you uh, you said, "No, I want to actually give what we value the most," right? And then you you shifted, and the mindfulness permitted you to shift and be more generous, right? So beautiful story. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Tyler. Please. <clears throat> My name is George. <clears throat> and uh, I'm uh, often encouraged to give of my attention yeah. to some two different people, especially if I don't want to particularly. Uh, but then I feel that uh, I feel better if I can really give of myself by listening deeply to somebody else. Yeah, beautiful. Especially people that don't particularly, aren't often heard. That's right, yeah. That's a great, great perspective that the, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe when you listen in the next few days, consider that an act of generosity 
uh, in itself. You were giving your attention. You were giving your consciousness of this precious life, right? You were giving your awareness, your, your very uh, conscious life. And then the other, the other point is that it would be to deliberately give attention to those who may not get it so much, which could mean quite a few different things, right? It could be individuals that you know or people you know who are having a hard time and maybe a little isolated. Or, But that's the beautiful practice of generosity would be to consider those in your circle who might really just want to um, talk or be heard or uh, have an ear, so to speak. So beautiful practice. Thank you. Thanks, George. Please. Um. So my name is Virginia. I have, I have kind of a similar um, comment about giving of yourself, but I was on nextdoor.com, which is a, a website for neighborhoods, and um, it, you know, obviously with the fires, there's um, magnanimous things people are doing, like taking truckloads of stuff up to the um, the areas in need, et cetera, and... Um, but everyone, you know, in, in the area is just very heavy, you know, feeling the, yeah. the weight of other people's pain. And so one woman just posted um, something that said, I just was wondering if anybody could share anything good that happened in the last week to them. And there's like 150 replies, or maybe I'm exaggerating, um, but so many great little stories about little things that happen to these people, and so I thought that was a really interesting and, you know, simple way of being generous. That's great, yeah, yeah. Uh, so much of generosity can be very simple and be much more accessible, yeah, it's just, so we also get a sense of the creativity, right? Uh, you know, someone in the back, please? Way, way in the back. Okay, after, yeah. Hi, I'm Karina. Um, So last year, during the fires last year, um, my work did like a drive to get things for people that were affected by the fires, and it really opened my eyes to the things that you don't necessarily think that people need. Things like diapers and underwear and socks that aren't things that usually like people give like toilet paper and things like that that you don't really think about as stuff that like we kind of take for granted and it really opened my eyes to like looking at those things in another light of something like I don't know I just never really thought like when I looked at the toilet paper every day like yeah wow this is something that like people don't have this you know and it really like yeah 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 really so yeah and so really uh really expanded your own understanding right and ways that have lasted I assume so you can really makes you really sensitive to what's happening now I imagine and a sense of just wanting to help in whatever way yeah that's great please yeah I'm wondering excuse me uh, my name is John I'm wondering if anyone has found a particularly satisfying way to help those in the fire uh, we can give money, and there are a number of ways to do that. But has anyone come up with anything they felt particularly effective or uh, uh, suitable for helping people out in the fire? It's a question rather than an observation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of good, uh, very reliable places that will get the funds if you want to give the funds. But you're asking about other 
measure sure. funds or anything else that they're yeah. confident of. I see dozens out there. Who who can vouch for one that's worked yeah. out really? I know well. that. Um, what is it? You know, I know that uh, Sierra Club has a, has a very reliable fund, for example. So and I'm sure they're virtually all of them. I think are probably quite reliable. When they're let, let's use the the mic. Uh, asking for uh, different ways of giving, including funds. Yeah. Oh. I was just, um, last year in the Sonoma fires, they asked people in the Bay Area or around Sonoma it, for people, the Airbnb people, if they wanted to offer their homes to fire victims f for up to two to three weeks. So I don't know, I haven't been contacted on this particular fire because I don't think they want to come down to the smoke, but that was... Just a different type of generosity. But it is, it, okay. is a, it is a good idea. Some people may be willing to go some distance just to have a, a place to stay for some time. That probably could be the case, yeah. Thank you. Great question. Thank you, John. Something interesting that I read today, which I'm debating, Volunteers are going through the ruins to find the smallest bits of human life right. or previous human life, which gives enormous uh, uh, gratitude, not gratitude, enormous uh, peace to family. That's right. That yeah. somebody has been discovered and where and how and so forth. Yeah. It would be very impactful, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I think I think um, I'd like to see some full accounts, but I have that sense that it's something like that Dorothy Day quote that um, in those situations when people have their own relative safety taken care of, they're just wanting to give in whatever way and help out. Any. Yeah, any questions? Again, what, what, um, what we're especially interested here is in those two forms of the practice related to generosity. On the one hand, seeing what gets in the way of it. And again, we want to use our own, as it were, non-judgmental awareness just to notice when, oh, I'm a little tight here or I'm, uh, you know, something is uh, not wanting to give or I don't want to hear any more about that or whatever, just to notice that and then to be cultivating the qualities of generosity in small or large ways and ways that are appropriate for each of us, not having some demand that you think you should do, but really letting it come more from uh, you know, your own intuition as to what's right. Yeah, so, yeah, please, we have two on the left here, yeah, to my left. Hi, my Hi. name is Colette, and um, listening to you speak, I'm really nervous, sorry, my heart's racing. Um, it, I'm in Alcoholics Anonymous, oh, yeah. so I surround my people, I surround myself around people who are selflessly giving themselves mm. to our brothers and sisters with sharing their their truths and their lives to help yeah. save people's lives. And it's so just 
extraordinary to be such a big part of the community and to not be judged for yeah. the way we feel and the things that we have done. And, you know, to know that we can go and these people are so selflessly there for us that it's just unconditional love no matter what. And yeah. to me, that's so incredibly generous. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a um, beautiful example and and one that's very very you know it's what very widespread those communities and you know what what comes to me is particularly the way you link the generosity to love and remember back to some of the ways that generosity is understood in these different traditions that it's not just an add-on you know it's not just uh, something on the side of your sense of call it spiritual practice but actually in these different traditions, you know, we saw that uh, generosity is linked to fairness, justice, unconditional love, you know, uh, being of integrity, and so forth. And that it's um, it goes very deeply. Right? It's not it's not just some nice thing that you do in addition to being a good person, right? But it's really very connected with these very deep aspects of ourselves. That's interesting, yeah, and it comes right out in your, in your account. Yeah, thank you. Hi, my name is Edward. Um, what you mentioned about 9-11 is, I can attest to that, I was there on 9-11. Yeah. And the same street that I walked down the day before looked completely different. The people were different, everything was different. And I was reflecting on what was different and... Yes, the fear was there, actually, but the judgment was gone. Mm -hmm. I didn't judge the people walk. Like, I would see the same person, and I would think that they were a threat. Nobody was a threat anymore. Mm -hmm. And that that really struck me when you were talking. Um, and the other comment I was wanted to make, I'm also in the program, AA. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we have is this, this forgiveness prayer. It's mm -hmm. called the SOB prayer, very aptly put. Um, it's to pray for the person that I have the most resentment for or the one that's taking up all the room in my head mm -hmm. because I can't stand whatever they did mm -hmm. to give them what I want. Mm -hmm. Peace of mind, whatever that thing well, is, I give of myself the thing that I, person that I detest most in that moment. And that is, uh, that giving, that cultivates mm -hmm. giving. And I'll just tie it back to 9-11 because one of the things, I didn't know this at the time, the, the whole group of people that were doing Tonglen, which I didn't know what that practice was mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, was just praying and, and giving loving kindness just out mm -hmm. because that's what was needed at the time. Mm -hmm. And that's what that cultivated. That, that mm -hmm. practice, I'm realizing, I'm seeing it come around, that getting rid of that resentment cultivates forgiveness yeah. and giving. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful examples, and uh, yeah, I mean, we, I think we can, we could, we could do a whole day and, and have actually, I think what you're pointing to is, is that uh, generosity or giving practices can be very similarly structured to more traditional practices like, um, or meditative practices like loving kindness, where in loving kindness practice, you work, you start where it's easier or easiest, 
and then you work up to where it's difficult. So ultimately you're bringing loving kindness to someone with whom you have challenges and difficulties. And I think uh, generosity practice can be seen very similarly. You work up to where it's harder. Ultimately, you'd want to be generous to all beings, right? That's, uh, you know, that's what we would imagine being the quality of a Buddha. A Buddha doesn't say, you know, um, teachings for you, not for you. There's more of a sense of universal generosity, but you work up to it. And so that idea of especially being generous where there's been some uh, difficulty or challenge or um, conflict or whatever, that's a very interesting notion. I'm thinking that, uh, I remember one of my early teachers, uh, Joseph Goldstein, he gave a, a generosity practice, which I haven't mentioned, which is he said, if you're having difficulty with some them, someone, give that person a, a gift of some kind, even a small gift, and notice how that changes your mind. Isn't that interesting? Right? Especially, you know, especially someone who's in your circle. But like to give a gift, it's very hard to actually give a gift to someone and maintain your grudge. <laughs> Check it out, right? Explore that. See what you find. It's pretty interesting. The whole psychology of gift-giving, conflict, it's, it's, you know, it's something to have fun with, right? Like explore it. Experiment. Uh, but I, I like that example. It reminded me of that. Yeah. Maybe last one, and then I think we'll have to uh, finish up. Oh, we have, yeah, maybe one more. Yeah, I'm sorry. We'll have, maybe afterwards we can talk. Yeah. Hi, I'm Madison. Hi. Um, and about a week and a half ago, uh, there was this event in Novato, and it's a movement called Not in Our Town. And um, I was lucky enough to participate in it and be a part of a student panel. And at this event, we there was a movie screening that um, talked about this event that happened about 10 years ago where... Um, a couple of kids from high school, they had this um, almost tradition, I guess you could say, that how that applied to them, um, where about once a week they would go out around their town and they called it beaner hopping. And they would find the first Latino that they saw and uh, basically jump them. And... Um, they never got caught until one night they actually murdered this person that they were jumping. And um, after that whole event was kind of described, they uh, the video went on to show how, um, how the town reacted to that mm. and how the whole town kind of, they finally got together and other people shared their stories about how... Um, similar things have happened to them or to their friends and they were able to finally uh, kind of acknowledge it and do their best to actually teach people uh, how to treat each other mm -hmm. and were also very generous to the family that lost, um, who they lost a member of their family. And and then in the student panel, we were able to talk about how, how you can spread kindness, which is a very similar to spreading generosity. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that was really great because you kind of 
you, you get to acknowledge this really terrible event and then realize that everything you do in your day-to-day lives can prevent that from happening. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, very, very nicely said and quite a story, huh? Yeah, and yeah, it's really pointing to the way that, you know, we've mostly talked about generosity at an individual level, but it really is part of the social glue, right, of a community. And it's something that uh, one can develop uh, more on the community level. That's what you're pointing to. And so it really adds a piece to our discussion. You know, it really fill, fills it out in certain ways to um, see how that happens. And also that it can happen out of uh, what we might call negative events that really difficult circumstances can bring forth generosity. A little bit like the, at the level of community, a little bit like what we were ta- just talking about, that something, you know, that a difficult situation can really be, even a really bad situation, can be um, worked through with generosity at that level. So, so start with the, sometimes we say we start with the individual, work up to the community, then the country, then the world. Okay? So it starts here. <laughs> so thank you. So let's, uh, let's finish. We're at time, and I'm happy to stay a little bit later if anyone had something that we didn't have a chance to explore. So again, come back to yourself. How many of you would like to have an intention, work with an intention for the next week? to bring in more generosity in some way? How many of you would like to do that? Great, okay. Um, so just sit right now and ask yourself, what, what's, the, what's the best way for me to do that? And how am I going to remember each day? You know, do I do that by just remembering first thing in the morning that I'm going to work with it? Just have some quiet reflection on how you'll Work with generosity and keep it going so it's on your mind for the next week. Then I'll, I'll close in a traditional way, which is called the dedication of merit. I'll have my hands like this. You can do that if you wish, but not necessary. And dedication of merit works with intention, and we, many of you are familiar with it. It's, we remember that we meet here in many ways to help ourselves, but we're also interested in helping others very much with the theme of the night. And may our time together here be a benefit to each of us and may it be a benefit to the circles of each of our lives to many beings ultimately may the benefit go even beyond our own circles out to reach all beings and when we do that we circle back because we know that we are part of all beings May we benefit all beings with our with our time, our practice.
So thank you for your kind attention. Very generous of you. And to be continued. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.